Welcome, everybody, to episode two of the podcast, Quit Bitchin' Nation. I'm Rosario Smyrny, owner and founder of the Quit Bitchin' Coalition Lifestyle Apparel brand. We're very, very excited and honored to have on our show today, Ricky Mena of heartofahero.org. Stay tuned. Listen to every minute of this podcast. There's so many gems in here. You're going to learn about perseverance, um, working hard, stepping out of faith, battling all types of things in life, and just to see how this hero, what he has done to visit over 11,000 um, children and families in the world, um, you just have to listen. Uh, stay tuned, and we'll, we will also discuss um, the campaign we are launching, um, in which we're teaming up and we're selling a shirt um, to raise money for his um, organization right before Christmas. All right, stay tuned. Hello. Hey, what's up, Ricky? How you doing? I'm doing good. How you doing? Good, good, real good, man. Thanks for being on the show and um, just, uh, give a brief introduction, and um, we'll go from there. Sound good? Sounds great. All right, perfect. Well, who we have on the show now today is Ricky Mena of HeartOfAHero.org. Uh, much more information to come from that, but um, long story short, anyone that knows me and the QBC knows that. One of our biggest causes that we'd like to help out with in the world now and, you know, to a great extent in the future is anything to do with um, childhood cancer. And probably about two, three years ago, um, you know, I'm on Facebook, Instagram, looked it up, different um, different things. And I come across Ricky's page um, from Heart of a Hero. And I was immediately um, doing this stuff that I'd like to you know, get involved in something and try to help him raise money. In the last couple of years, I've, you know, shipped a few things, nothing major. So um, when I decided to do a, uh, a Christmas campaign T-shirt uh, for charity, he was the first person I uh, talked to. We'll get to that um, a little bit later. But first, let's uh, let's talk to Ricky and uh, see what's going on. So, hey, man, um, tell us a little bit about yourself and um, uh, where you're at right now. Man, uh, so I'm Ricky Mena. Uh, I, I'm actually on the West Coast, so I live in a small town that no one knows exists, which is on this side of the United States, which is Pittsburgh, California. Gotcha. And uh, it's about 45 minutes to an hour outside of San Francisco. So I live in the, the Bay Area, and uh, it's still warm here right now. <laughs> so... But, uh, yeah, this is where we operate from. This is where the headquarters to the whole uh, organization is uh, in my small town. And uh, this is where we operate from. Awesome. All right. Well, let's – before we get into how you started Heart of uh, – Heart of man, I'm sorry. I got a cold. Heart of a Hero. Tell us what there you do. Because obviously I'm privy to knowledge and everyone doesn't know, so I got to act like I don't know. So let's tell the viewers and the listeners – um, tell us what you were doing right before you started, um, this awesome, uh, organization. Um, well, uh, immediately before I started, uh, heart of a hero or dressing as Spider-Man, I should say, because it took a while to start sure. the actual organization. But, uh, I was just, uh, I was training people, um, like, you know, fitness, uh, I was into fitness myself, so it was a real easy choice to try to like make money doing that. Um, and so I did that. But even before that, like right before I was started training people, I was actually a musician, uh, more of a songwriter than anything. And I was living, uh, you know, in L.A. and I, I was pretty successful in the realm of music. Um, and so it was life was good, you know, but uh, the music thing just wasn't for me. Um, it didn't align with my morals, uh, as I evolved as a person and human being and man, I kind of just, the LA scene wasn't for me There's a lot of fake, uh, you know, fake it till you make it type of thing going on. Um, and it's just not, it's never been me to like be fake, you know? And sure. so I just, and there was a lot of stuff happening in the industry that just, I didn't agree with and didn't want to stand next to. Um, cause it says a lot about you, you know, who you, who you stand next to, you know? And so, so I just didn't want to, 
you know, it was a scary thing to like leave the music industry because I've been following, you know, I've been, was going after that since I was like nine years old, you know, and there I was 30 years old realizing that this wasn't for me. Sure. Um, after I made my dreams come true. And so, um, so that's what I was doing before. And then, um, I actually moved to Philly after like the whole music thing, uh, stopped and I wanted to leave LA. I moved to Philly, uh, to, for a, a then relationship. And, um, and I lived in Philly for a year and I tried being like just this person for the first time in my life who didn't really like go after anything big, you know, like sure. I kind of was like, maybe I should just start a family. Maybe I should just, you know, uh, do something in which is it's nothing to take away from like anyone who has any of these jobs, but like do something normal, you know, like not try to be a public figure, you know, or uh, a famous musician or a songwriter, just be, you know, work for UPS or something, you know, and, and just make money and raise a family and stuff. Gotcha. And that didn't, that didn't go so well, you know, and uh, it just, it ate at me every day. Like I was meant for something, bigger and I just didn't know what especially because music wasn't there anymore and um so yeah that after that relationship kind of that relationship failed and stuff and I moved back to uh Pittsburgh California so I went all the way back across the United States and found myself on a friend's couch and that's kind of where I started the training people and uh just try to make money and get back on my feet and so that's where I was when everything kind of conspired with the spider-man thing as well so oh, well that's that's a part of the story i didn't know and i could uh, kind of relate man in the, the professional world i was trying to be a baseball player i you know played d1 and you know my my journey ended about 23 24 and then i had to do something totally different so i definitely yeah understood that now you made the choice the moral choice which is i give you all the props in the world to to walk away you got to where you wanted to be and said nah that's not for me i mean and then, you know what? That makes sense knowing what I know about you now and what you do. Like, obviously, it falls in line to who I believe in. It seems like the whole world believes you are. So that that's just awesome. So, yeah. Um, all right. So let's get into the uh, the dream. Let's get into the dream. Take us from there. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, there I was on my friend's couch. <laughs> um, I was uh, turning 30 years old, like, that month in you know, of June of uh 2014 and i so i fell asleep one night you know i was training and all that and then i fell i fell asleep one night just another night you know on a couch in a front room of my friend's house i was living out of a duffel bag just trying to save money i had about 300 dollars to my name at this time sure. like <laughs> was just trying to get clients and stuff and um so i fell asleep had this dream that my grandmother who had recently passed away came to me and walked me over to this movie projector, like this old school reel-to-reel movie projector, flick, flipped this switch, and it shot this movie shot in the sky of Spider-Man, you know, walking through these double doors in this, uh, and it had like real bright lights were on the outside of this hospital, and it said Children's Hospital. And so it was like bright red, and I just, you know, Spider-Man was walking through these double doors, and on the other side of these doors was thousands of kids in this big over exaggerated gigantic room. And, um, all these kids were like in their beds and hooked to IVs and the IV poles were there and all this, all these details I remember. And, um, he was just swinging around bringing a, you know, he would stop off on, at a child's bedside and I couldn't in the dream, I couldn't hear what he was saying or what they were saying back, but I just saw the kids smile. And they were super happy. And he was like, then he got up and he was like dropping off toys. And, you know, dreams don't always make sense. Like, I don't know where the toys were even coming from. Like, sure. you know, and uh, he was just dropping off all the toys. And I, I remember uh, looking at my grandmother in the dream still and saying, this is so awesome. But like, what does it have to do with me? And she looked at me with the most serious look on her face and said, that is you. And when you wake up, that's what you're supposed to do. And, you know, I woke up literally like woke up like right after that and uh, still on the couch, still broke. <laughs> and uh, I was just, I, the dream I, for an hour, I was like, 
I just try to let the thing, let it go as just a dream. And so, you know, it's just a dream. But as after that hour passed, uh, you know, or maybe a little longer, I it just kept eating at me. And I couldn't stop thinking about how real it felt. And I started thinking about my, my grandmother, you know, who was in the dream. And like, did she just come visit me? Or what was that? And so I, out of curiosity, I just started looking up Spider-Man suits and, uh, you know, mind you, I haven't dressed for Halloween since I was like, <laughs> you know, a young. And so like, I didn't never been into like any kind of cosplay or anything like that. Haven't read a comic book in forever. I mean, I watched the Spider-Man movies, but I, it was like, I was watching any other movie. It didn't like strike me like, you know, any different. And so, um, so after I looked up the suits, it was like I started realizing that the mo- the most expensive ones were the realest looking ones. And me, I don't do anything half half assed, you know, sure. like I don't do anything like let me just go get the party city suit or yep. let me I don't I'm not happy with that. So um, so obviously I emailed the person that I saw the, the realest suit and and I asked them how much it was and they told me with labor and, and, uh, you know, and all that, like we're looking at about, you know, 32 to 3,400. Sure. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> and why is it so much, you know, and it's all custom fit to your every, you know, it's fit to your body. It won't fit another person. And so I was like, okay, well, I emailed back. I said, I don't have that money. Like I have 300 in my bank account. I didn't tell him that, but I said, sorry for wasting your time. Like, I appreciate it. If I ever need anything else, I'll email you back. And the person emailed me back. And this is part where I think about all the time I think about it now. They emailed me back and asked me why. Like, what What are you, what are you going to use the suit for? Sure. And if they wouldn't email me back, this might not have happened. Yep. And so he emailed me back and said, What's, what are you going to use it for? And I just, and back then it was just such a simple idea. You know, it was just. I want to dress as Spider-Man to visit sick kids yep. and, and make them happy. That's it. And so they were like, wow, that's cool. So like a charity thing. Okay. They were like, you know what? I'll do it for 1400. Like I won't even charge for the labor and it's going to take me like a month to make this thing, two months to make it maybe. And I want to make sure it's right. And that's why it costs so much, but I'll just do it for 14. And I was like, okay, I still don't have that, but that's more doable. Sure. So so I remember getting up after reading that email before I even responded back to him, looking out my window and I had a Chrysler 300, like dub edition, fully loaded Chrysler that I had paid off from my music uh, career. And I looked at it and knew immediately that my crazy self was about to sell that thing. And, and so um, I didn't respond back to the guy I put, I, I started hitting up friends who I knew were into cars and stuff. And there was several people who loved my car. Cause it was just a nice car. And, um, so I got someone who was interested. My friend's dad owned like a dealership and he, I looked at the blue book and man, the blue book on the car was like ridiculously low compared to what I paid for it, you know, of course. but, uh, the guy offered me a thousand more than what the blue book was on it which was like 12, he offered me like 12 grand. Okay. So I said, you know what? The very next day after I had this dream, I sold the car and for 12 grand and I had to get a ride back from Oakland, which was about 45 minutes from me. And now I have no car and I'm still sleeping on the couch, but I have the intention of buying this suit. So I emailed the guy and say, go ahead and make the suit. Here's the money. Boom, let's do it. And here's all my measurements. I went and got my measurements. And, um, so he started on that. I bought a small Honda for like four grand. I got a steal of a deal because someone I knew was moving to New York and they were needed to sell their car. <laughs> so it was like, everything fell into place. I had a, a Honda and the suit being made. And then I got the suit, uh, two months from that point and made my first visit, uh, in early October of 2014. And, um, and it's just, I can't even explain how amazing it's been since then. Um, starting from a dream to maybe thinking I'm a little crazy waiting for the suit for two months, uh, not knowing if I made the right choice and then making that first visit, you know, before. 
before anybody cared about it, before anyone, uh, you know, was calling me an angel or whatever, you know, a hero, whatever people call me now. Um, like, it's like before any of the validation, the validation was the child's face on that first visit in the hospital. And so it, that's how we started just taking a, taking a risk, taking a leap of faith and doing something that's crazy, you know, but that's how it started. Wow. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, this is why I'm so happy to have you on the podcast um, because, you know, I've, probably read every <clears throat> sorry excuse me every article i've seen you or um in women's world my mother sent me that i've read a lot of stuff about you this is stuff i just didn't know which and i think that the world needs to know you know what i mean it's just yeah it's not not just i mean the biggest part is what you do for the kids but if this relates to everyone the perseverance you know the stepping out of right. faith the having i i mean it's it's a it's a remarkable story and then what you do just you know blows it out the water so tell us, yeah. people that don't know, uh, a little more detail, what do you do? How do um, I know you go and see the kids. How do they get in contact with you? Uh, do you charge the kids? Just tell us, I know you've traveled from here to England. Um, tell us about, you know, anything you want to say about the kids and what you do and, and um, whatever you want to say about that. Let, um, let the viewer or the listeners hear about that because it's, it's remarkable, man. I mean, it's, I mean, just go ahead. I'll let you tell yeah. us. So we, uh, you know, like I said earlier, it's, it's what started as a simple idea. It's, I try to keep it simple because um, there's kind of like, there's, there's, um, there's complexity and simplicity, you know what I'm saying? And so, so we try to keep it simple. So essentially all we really do, I mean, in, in words and put it in, in, in simple terms is like, we just, you know, we, I show up as Spider-Man um, and I visit kids who are, uh, terminally ill, battling life-threatening illness, uh, foster, homeless, special needs, uh, even kids who are bullied. Uh, so we visit all children who are considered like children in need. And that is a wide spectrum of, of uh, kids. Sure. So, um, so number one, we're always busy. But like we, I visit kids. Um, so I, I do now I visit kids on any type of battleground and that's what I call it. It's a battleground, you know, it's between like, uh, we're fighting invisible forces here, like frustration, anxiety, depression, everything these kids are facing. Like we're, we're, we're helping them fight that we're standing between them and death sometimes. And, um, and, and encouraging life, hope and light, you know, and so basically, essentially, whether it's at a hospital, hospice care facility, we do home visits, uh, we do one-on-one visits, we do like meet kids in groups, we do it all. So we'll meet kids anywhere. But when we show up, basically, we show up with tons of toys, um, ranging from like action figures to handmade pillowcases to blankets, beanies, puzzles i mean you name it i've get bikes i've given out everything i've playstation 4s xboxes we've given it everything out like trips to disneyland we've done it all and um so basically i show up as spider-man and uh you know we just spend time with kids in the hospital it's like five to ten minutes per child at home it's an hour visit because we have a little more time but um Basically, I just get in there and just let the kids know that um, I'm there. They have a friend in Spider-Man and um, that I'll always be there for them. And it's okay to tell me like what they're going through. And I tell them I kind of like put in my own struggles in my real life and I intertwine it with me having to be the character of Spider-Man. But I talk about um, trials and tribulations and how it's okay to feel um, weak it's okay to go through something. It's okay to cry. It's okay to feel frustration. It's okay to tell your mom and dad that all these things. Um, but essentially each kid is different. Each child is different. So for example, there might, uh, we get, I get uh, messaged by parents all the time, especially now because word of mouth and like I'm known for this now, but, and how good I am with the kids, but I, I'll get, I'll get messaged by a parent who has a child battling cancer and they're just not eating and they need to eat. Sure. And so they're like, can Spider-Man come in and maybe encourage this child, you know, my son to eat. And I've gone, I've traveled 
four hours one way to go dress up as in a suit for an hour. And by the time I leave that kid, and this is a true story, that kid is drinking boost, uh, those boost protein drinks, which they hated drinking before. And they're drinking them, drinking them, drinking them to the point where the kid is being nourished. And two months later, I get a message from the dad saying, you know, our child is like beat cancer. They're in remission. You know, you help this happen because still to this day, you know, I want more boost. Spider-Man said, I got to drink this, you know? And so, um, I mean, essentially we just, we just befriend children and, uh, you know, now it's not just me. My wife dresses up too as spider Gwen, the new uh, character in the Marvel universe. Um, but we've contracted other people too, like captain America's and Hulk's and princesses and, um, and all that. And, it's more than I want to really get across that it's more than like, I've, I don't like really being um, considered like a cosplayer because I'm not a cosplayer. Like a cosplayer is someone who dresses up as a character to try to emulate that character um, visually and, and like character wise, you know, personality wise me. I don't do that. I obviously look like Spider-Man, but I'm 100% me. Uh, I don't, I, I'm of course Peter Parker. I'm taking on the the name of the character and all that to keep the the imagination aspect of it there for the children. But as far as like the advice that I give, as far as like the stories that I tell, that's all me. Uh, the goofiness is me. <clears throat> and what's cool is that it, it aligns with Spider Man. Like Spider Man is goofy. Spider Man's like a nerd, and so am I. You know what I'm saying? Like I like video games. I like talking to kids because they're cooler than adults you know what i'm saying like i just i i really enjoy what we do and um and that's what's led us to we've seen we've seen over eleven thousand kids in four years time and uh that's from where i live you know in the small town of pittsburgh california in the bay area all the way to london uh, and so We've been to every major, almost every major hospital in the United States and um, even major hospitals uh, overseas and stuff. And it's just, um, you know, what really speaks to to not just the children, but the parents and the and the staff at hospitals is how I interact with children. Um, it's it's a it's a form of therapy. It's a form of therapy. Now, I've even had hospitals like prescribe spider-man visits so like doctors yeah because in a few a few there's been a few uh miracles you know um one example is this happened a few years ago but a a child i got called to see a child at a hospital um local to us and this child basically um had a tumor and uh they did surgery and this child was about five years old they did surgery and otherwise prior to surgery, the child was an active child was normal. Like, you know, going to school, they found the tumor, they had to do surgery. It was a risky surgery because of its location. And so there was a very high probability that something could happen in the surgery itself that made the child, like, I guess you could say different after. And so unfortunately that happened. And so the tumor was gone. The child was no longer like had a cancerous tumor and it's, brain so there's no cancer anymore but the child was now like special needs gotcha and so i got called in because the parent heard about us and the hospital was like look just maybe it's you know this child's favorite character was spider-man so i went in and soon before i walked in the door and this is the first time this ever happened i got prompted like i got the disclaimer listen you know like this child cannot track you with its eyes uh, he won't be able to, he can't talk. He just rocks back and forth. We had to put mittens on his hands because he's gouging his own eyes out. Mm-hmm. So don't get close to him because he'll try to go for your face. And I'm listening to all this going, okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So I go in and I try to talk to the child. I kneel down. I say hi to the mom. I kneel down to the child's bedside. And just like they said, he's kind of like, he's rocking back and forth. He's like moaning kind of. Um, he's got mittens on his hands. He's not paying attention to me at all. And, um, so his mom started crying after five minutes of me trying and I could not get him to focus on me at all. 
she started crying. And in Spanish, she was saying, you know, like, he's not sleeping. He only sleeps two hours a day. And it's not even a full hour each time. It's just like, I haven't, like, I don't know what to do. Like, what happened to my son, you know? And she put her hand on my shoulder and said, it's okay. Like, there's nothing we could do. I thought this would help, but it's just, nothing's going to help. And I said, you know what? Give me five more minutes. So I got a stuffed animal that we had brought um, in our wagon and I put it because he, they said he couldn't, he had no sense of touch anymore. And so, and they said he couldn't smile. He couldn't do any of these things neurologically. This is what happened. Right. And so I said, you know what? I'm not going to worry about him gouging my eyes out. I need to get closer to make a, like real contact with him. So I got closer and I rubbed, I put the, um, the super soft, like stuffed animal against his cheek. And I started talking to him and I was forcing him, like whenever his eyes would move away from me, I would like put my Spider-Man eyes like directly in front of where he went. Sure. And so I remember just saying, you know what? And I said it to him loud enough for him to hear me. I said, I know you're in there. His name's Elijah. So I was like, Elijah, I know you're in there. I know you're in there and you're just frustrated. You're still in there though. And he literally stopped rocking back and forth at that moment. And he stopped moaning and he looked dead at me and he focused on me and he smiled. And his mom probably, I mean, collapsed right then and there. And so from that point on in the rest of the visit, I stayed with him 10 more minutes and I had his attention the whole time. He smiled. They said he couldn't do that. They said he wouldn't be able to focus on anything. They said all these things. And now because of the one little visit and trying a little harder and crossing the lines of what they told me to do, uh, he was able to focus. So then I come back the next month and um, now he's sitting up in bed, like watching like, you know, some kid show on TV when I come in the hospital and he's smiling and his mom says he's sleeping normal now, all this stuff. And so the hospital asked me to like record myself reading kids stories mm -hmm. on video and they played it for him. And then I was seeing him every month because I was go to that hospital every month. So then the next month, this is a true story. I, I was walking out of one child's room and then all I, all I heard is Spider-Man that the, you know, some kid called my name and I looked down this long hallway and I didn't, couldn't see cause I can't see that far in the suit. And there's this kid um, and I saw a figure and I got closer and I realized it's Elijah in a wheelchair and he's trying to get up wow. to, yeah, to talk to me. And I, I said, did you just say my name? And he just said, yeah. And his mom was saying how that's one of the only words he can fully say. And so to this day, so fast forward to now, he's nor he's back to normal. <laughs> and so this is, these are the kind of things that have happened in our visits. And, and like, it's, I don't look at it as like, just as simple as it sounds. I don't look at it as simple as it sounds like I it's therapeutic for the kids. It's there's potential for um, diagnosis to be changed with therapy. And we're bringing just like a unique type of therapy. Um, it's cool. Cause like we get to dive into the kid's imagination because in a kid's world, anything is possible. Look, if Peter, if Peter Pan can fly and not age, you know what I'm saying? Sure. And yep. Then I could beat cancer, you know? Um, and if, and if the fan, if the kids believe, then the families believe. And then all of a sudden you're, you're, you're focused less on what's going wrong with the situation in life and focused on like, you know what? We can have a good time. It's not about where we're at. It's about who we're with, you know? And, um, and so it's super powerful. You know, I know there's a lot, there's so much in my story. I'm talking a lot, but there's no, just so great. much, there's just so much, um, you know, in four years and 11,000 kids. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's amazing. That's just one example, you know, of what we do. So we try to, we try to, we try to give that to every child. It's very, it's very important to me to like, when we go to hospitals and they tell us we got 20 to 40 kids, I'm not going to shorten you know, my time in each room because I want to get out of there in two hours. 
Sure. Like I'm spending time in each room and, and the time when I leave, it's dictated by the child's reaction to me, not me going, I got to get out of the suit. You know, the longest I've been in the suit in the hospital is four hours. Wow. And so the longest I've been in the suit at all is seven hours, you know? And so it's, um, I, it's just cause it's so, I see the, I see what this, these visits do for kids. And, uh, there's no child too like small or, you know, something that a child's going through too small or too irrelevant for me not to travel as far as I can, you know, and it just boils down to us getting donations and being able to make these trips happen. But last year, you know, I went to London for one child twice. Yep. <laughs> and that's like a 12 hour flight and about, you know, just flight alone is like, you know, two grand there and back. And then you're talking about like, you know, to stay in the middle of London was pretty expensive. So, um, you know, just to see one child, you're talking about four grand sure. to London. Exactly. exactly. So, you know, it's uh, that's that's basically what we do. I mean, we try to bring miracles to the table and make them a possibility Sometimes, you know, we, uh, <clears throat> well, a lot, you know, you've seen, you followed me for a long time and there's been a lot of death, you know, and, uh, and even when, the, even when that happens, you know, we're still there for families. Uh, I've carried caskets as Spider-Man. I've seen that. Been, yeah. I've been to a lot of funerals as Spider-Man and these are kids who I've met and I want to make it clear. Uh, a lot of the kids that I've met, uh, you know, we meet over a span of three years because they're battling cancer for that long before they die. So every month I'm meeting them or twice a month or maybe even three times a month. If I have a slow month, I'm going to call the, the family up and say, let's book more time with your child, you know. Um, so, you know, by the time it, the kids that I've carried their casket and all that, I know those kids. And it's like they're my friends, you know. Um but that's at that point, it switches gears from trying to like believe in the miracle. And it's it's trying to switch gears and now show the family like, look, God's love is still here for you guys. And even though that we didn't get what we prayed for here, the miracle, see, we think of death as like, that's terrible, you know, but it is terrible for people that are left behind and for te- for kids that don't get to live as long as we do. But we're just, we, we don't, our minds cannot conceive what happens after. So, you know, that's when the, the gear shifts and now I'm no longer Spider-Man just for the kid that obviously isn't there anymore. I'm Ricky Mena with all the experiences that I have for the family. Yep, exactly. And so we're able to like give therapy to the, to the family too, as just being there and help, helping them with understanding what just happened. And why their life still matters after the fact. So, you know, it's pretty powerful. It's super powerful. Exactly. I mean, to speak on some of the things you just said, even though I never thought of it, like the whole the cosplay thing, it's so apparent that that's not what you do. I, I know even, I, you know what? It, I see you as Spider-Man, and, and, but exactly with the, the things I, you know, I see you do, and never even, I never, I mean, I see you as Spider-Man, but I see what you're doing. To, for these kids and these families and it's it's unbelievable man and it's expi- it's expiring too like for me you know if you wanted me yeah. to work harder you know i've told other people and, and and what you're doing too is so many kids when you i like when you go visit a kid you'll put up their gofundme or what the, with these um these families need so you're spreading you know getting more prayers more money more everything so you're doing so much stuff it's it's just it's just unbelievable man i mean i, I could talk about stories and, and i i mean i'm just i don't know like i mean it, it's i'm almost at a loss of words you know what you do i i'm so happy to be doing this man you have no idea you know when, yeah, I, talk, it, when I think about heroes i don't think about the guys on tv I, this is the real deal you know what i mean not that they don't do some good things but um what yeah. you're doing it's unreal and and then one thing i want to talk about too and then we'll get into the the campaign we're going to do is uh you know, everything you do is extremely courageous. And I know you've been very open about this. And I know it, it takes a toll. You know, I mean, I know, you know, oh, maybe a year or so, I, you know, I saw a lot of these kids and I'm following these kids and I'm getting to know them just via Instagram. And I'm talking to my wife, and my mother. I'm like, 
this guy, you know, like you said, seeing what of course he's friends with him, he knows him and to see the death, I, I mean, you know, it breaks me down, you know, and I know that, you know, you've been open about um, you know, different therapies you've been to, and I think that's a very important thing, especially you know, for males, you know, that to be mm-hmm. to be open about that and um that's that's a great thing. And then one thing I wanna tell the listeners, like I know there's times that, you know, you've seen a couple um, children die in the, you know, X amount of time. And you don't want it, not that you don't want to, but it's hard for you to get back in there and you do it. You know what I mean? You fight through that. And, you know, I, I just hope yeah. that, you know, you guys got, whoever's listening, you got to follow this this man, the company's page, Ricky Mena, and then heartofahero.org. I'll put that in the description. And it's whatever we're talking about, and Ricky's a humble person, everything we're talking about, it's times about 100 when you get to see what, what these guys do. It's, you know, it's just unbelievable. But, um, if you want to speak about, you know, any of your battles with mental health or do you have any encouraging words for people that are going through the same thing? Cause I think that's a, I think that's a part of a big part of what you do too. You know what I mean? And I follow you and a lot of men see it women and, you know, might be ashamed to talk about that, you know, but you do it very elderly, you know, and brave. Yeah. I think, uh, so, you know, I did Spider-Man. I, I was doing it for, at the time I did it for three and a half years before I started experiencing any kind of, you know, uh, anxiety or depression or what was later diagnosed as PTSD from like, uh, traumatic experiences that I've witnessed or been like in the front row for, you know, uh, seeing kids hurt constantly is one thing, uh, which not a lot of people can do, but like, uh, but I saw to see kids die is another, like literally take their last breath. You know, that's another, uh, that's another realm of, uh, asking of yourself to, you know, strength that you're asking yourself of. And so, um, it started for me like when I, uh, two weeks after I, so I held, I held two kids as they passed away in my arms. And, um, you know, both of them were like, I felt like, you know, and when I say soulmates, I think people think romantically that's what soulmates are but that's not what that means like these kids were soulmates like as far as like i feel like i met them in a previous life uh you know like it was just this, this crazy like uh love and and compassion that drew me to these specific kids and when they died in my arms it's like a piece of me died too and um but I had to get back up and still visit kids and start all over again. It's kind of like, like, how do you do that? You know? And then, and then on top of that, I started experiencing like, so it was, it was super severe for me, like um, to the point where I would go to the grocery store and when it started and I didn't know what the heck was going on. Um, I thought it was a physical thing at first. And so I would go to the grocery store and the lady you know, at the grocery store would be like paper or plastic. And I'd be like about to pass out because she's talking to me. Sure. And so I found myself almost fainting everywhere I went and, and I was getting all worked up for no reason, sweating and just, Oh my God, I'm about to faint. Like, you know, and I'm in my own head. I can't get out. And, and things started spiraling really quick. And, you know, just to give everyone like a a contrast of where this all started for me and where I am now, like it got so dark that I was suicidal. Mm -hmm. Um, I got suicidal and I knew I was, I knew I had uh, my first, like, I cried when I, when that thought first entered my mind, because I was like, how, you know, how have I been this guy who I literally like, I love what I do so much that there's nothing like kids were passing away and all that. And I would go through the motions of grieving, but like, I would use the, their deaths as like motivation to do more for kids. Yep. Like it would make me much more of a monster for good. And so this was the first time that I was like, I can't do this anymore. And so here I was in my house by myself living alone. And, you know, someone basically, I had an incident where someone uh, tried to burglarize from me uh, at my house. And so I called a friend and I said, Hey man, like, I, I don't know anything about guns, you know? So I was like, let me like, I need to get a shotgun for home protection, you know, just in case they come back uh, and try again. And so I called my friend and I said, Hey man, like, you know, what's the best shotgun I could buy. And as he's telling me what shotguns best to buy, like, you know, for home protection, I had a thought to myself, don't put a gun in this house. 
And that thought alone, like, scared me. Sure. Because I was like, dang, I'm over here. My conscience is protecting me from me. And so I said, he said what he said. I get off the phone and I literally cried because I literally, I, the first time ever I was protecting myself from myself. And I didn't even know that that was there. And so at that point I started like seeking therapy and all this stuff. And, and you know, the best thing I ever did with this, if anybody's listening, the best choice that I made to get on the right track to being able to um, live like a full life again and not be afraid and let this, uh, you know, mental illness be like a dictator to my life was admitting what was going on, admitting that I had a problem. And I did that in a crazy way because I'm a crazy person. And I went on Facebook Live and told the whole world. I, <laughs> you know? I saw it. I watched it. Yep. Yeah. And I said that from like a hotel room before I was going in to visit kids the next day. And yep, I remember it. Yeah. And I said, oh, I need to take a month off and, and everything. And I kind of just, kind of just, I cried, you know, like a big big baby but you know what it's not it wasn't that was like that was the weakness that was the start of that weakness of that of that spirit that's not of god you know all the fear and anxiety that stuff's not of god that's that's something else and so that was that was the beginning of it leaving and so um you know that was the beginning and so like i had to i had to tell myself it's okay to go to therapy it's okay to take a, a break because like you got to understand I got so enveloped in doing this for kids that I had to tell myself it was okay to take a break because in my mind, when I a day that I'm not Spider-Man is another day that a kid needed Spider-Man and I wasn't there. Gotcha. And so that's like a guilty conscious thing, you know, and, but I can't save everyone. I can't be there for everybody. I'm just one man. And so, and if I'm not good, if I'm not healthy myself, then I'm not healthy for anybody. I'm not, I'm no good to anyone. So going to therapy and then being in therapy for me, because it was trauma-based, it was uh, this thing called EMDR therapy. If anyone out there experienced trauma and that's why you have anxiety and uh, depression and all that, uh, I highly suggest you to Google EMDR therapy and look it up and uh, try it out. Give it a shot. And uh, no matter what you've heard about therapy, give it a shot because it increases your chances of beating the mental illness. And I'm not talking about, see, I'm here goes again with my crazy thoughts. You know, at first I was like, wow, you know, I Googled it and I Googled everything and Google is your worst enemy sometimes. <laughs> and I, you know, said, you, this is, everyone was like, this is something I have to live with for the rest of my life and this and that. And I'm like, hell no, I want to beat this. What? No. If I have to live with this, then I probably will kill myself. You know, like this is, like I can't even function in everyday life. And so I told my therapist, I asked her one day, I said, <coughs> be honest with me. And she said, okay. And I said, is this something that I could eventually overcome and defeat? Or is this something I'm going to have to manage and live with the rest of my life? And she looked at me and said, Ricky, you can totally beat this. And I said, thank you. You know, because that gave me like a goal. Like I can beat this. I can slay this dragon. And so with therapy and then finally admitting that, okay, after trying to do this the natural way with the herbal pills and all this, I needed and right, the right diet and exercising, I needed something to help me. So I had to, I had to take antidepressants, you know, and I'm still on them to this day and on a low dose of Celexa. And, uh, you know, it doesn't affect me at all as a person. And I thought it would, it, that was a big stigma too. And, um, you know, it's just a process, man. And, uh, it's a, it's, it's a fine line between you have to challenge yourself, but you have to know when to give yourself a day off too. and, um, uh, go to therapy. Uh, if you, if it comes down to taking meds, give yourself a chance, like, you know, you know, try the natural way. If that doesn't work, try meds. If, um, talk to your friends, never like be silent about this, you know? Um, it's, I think the stigma I think the stigma is slowly because of like, I became an advocate for it on in conjunction with like everything else I do. Um, like when I did that video that you saw, uh, like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people wrote me 
who are going through the same thing. And uh, no one, no one shamed me for coming out and crying or no one shamed me when I shared that I have to take pills or go to therapy. No one shamed me at all. And I think the stigma, uh, the biggest stigma about it is in our own minds and you have to get over that. And the day that I said, you know what, and excuse my language, but I don't give a shit what no one thinks about me. I have to take care of me. It's not about trying to be cool or trying to be validated by anybody. It's about being 100% within myself so I could be 100% for the people that I care about most in this life. And once I did that, it all. And for anyone out there listening, F what anyone else thinks of you. If you're going through something, ask for help. Contact a friend, a family member. Shoot, hit me up. <laughs> You know, uh, and I'll, you know, and, and then try therapy and go from there and, and, and get yourself back because it's there. You can do it. I see miracles happen every day. Um, and now, you know, I'm, I'm back in the hospital. I'm visiting kids. I, I'm uh, facing my fears all the time. And, and do I have anxiety attacks sometimes? Yes, I do. But now I have the tools to get through them. And um, they're few and far between now. And so, um, and I'm, I'm visiting kids by the hundreds and thousands again. And so now the biggest challenge for me is getting back into doing the public speaking because, you know, with social anxiety, it's hard to publicly speak and stuff. And that's one of the things that was taken away from me. But just this last month, I spoke in front of my church. I spoke in front of another person's church. I, I've, uh, did like um, spoke in front of some schools and stuff. So it's possible. I'm getting it back. It's still scary. I still kind of had like panic attacks up there, but you know what? Um, as long as I keep pushing, it's going to happen. And that's, that's proof to anybody out there going through it. It's uh, when you go through things and in, in, in life, look in, in our day and age too, social media, you know, we see things we're not supposed to see, you know, on social media and like death and stuff like that. And that can affect you too. You know, just cause you're not present doesn't mean that you're not affected by it. Very much so. Yep. You know, like they got, they, they had that guy on uh, Facebook live who killed the old man in Cleveland. And then, you know, you got kids like hanging themselves on Facebook live and, and then we're, you know, or car accidents or we're seeing this. Yep. And that's, exactly. that's in your brain. And so Shoot, I think therapy is good for everyone. I don't think you would necessarily have to go through something yourself. I think if the world we live in and just how much of the world is available at our fingertips, there's a lot of information and your brain can only take so much. So, um, yeah, that's my take. I think mental illness is the stigma is stupid. You know, um, it's dumb. And uh, there's, I mean, if you Google it, there's, there. I think there's like millions and millions and millions and millions of people uh, who are going through it. And those are people that are diagnosed. Uh, that doesn't speak for people who are sitting at home too worried to get out there and, and get themselves some help. So um, it's a common thing. And you just have to be okay with uh, taking that first step for yourself. So... Yeah. Wow. That was, again, this, what a, this is a wealth of knowledge. And that was, um, that was great. I mean, everything you said, you know, forget what people think you battled back, you know, and you're, you're still battling it. And, um, it's just great. I mean, the role models, so many people that I know that, um, have been afraid to come forward, you know, or, you know, go seek therapy and now they are. So it definitely has changed. And it's, it's from people like you that are in the, you know, the public light, you know what I mean? That, that makes them, you know, feel better. And, and I mean, this is, wow. I mean, like I said, I thought I knew you until, yeah. I, until I heard this. This is, I've learned <laughs> so much more that, you know, you're not a hero, man. You're an angel. You know what I'm saying? Like, forget about it. It's, it's hard. I'm going to, I'm changing your name to the uh, .org. Okay. Um, unreal. <laughs> I mean, seriously, heroes and understatement. No, I'm just kidding. But un, unreal, man. I mean, all right. So, so let's, um, it's not, it's not glamorous. You know, that's one thing too. I want to tell people like, you know, when people call me hero or angel and stuff, like, you know, that that makes me feel good because it makes me, like, know that I'm doing something right with yeah, my life and the sure. world and all that. But at the same time, I'm too humble to, like, 
walk around in my own head thinking I'm an angel or like a hero. You know what I'm saying? Just like doing you, man. And you've been doing it. Yeah. It seems like your whole life, man. You know, like I said, from the outside, look, getting after, you know, do this podcast with you. I mean, like I said, when you walked away from your dream, you know what I mean? I mean, that's, that's just, that's, that shows who you are. You know what I mean? And then, you know, everything you've done from waking up, selling your car to just moving forward, not even knowing, you know, why you're doing it, but not sure how it's going to go in it. It worked out through the ups and downs, you know, and the amount of, yeah. like I said, the amount of people and children, the family you have, you have brought smiles to it and miracles and spread the knowledge and, and, and spread um awareness, you know, making me and other people work harder to, you know, to help out these kids. And that's my goal. And that's what brings into what we're doing now for the start giving campaign. Um, now, real quick, before we talk about that, how are you sustained financially through the uh, organization? Who, when you fly to England, how does, where does that money come from? When you fly to wherever are you, you know, you drop off all these toys. What, what is that? How does that, how does, how does your organization sustain itself? So it's amazing, man. Like we really don't have any sponsors. Uh, we've tried to get sponsors, but it's, it's really hard to get sponsors, believe it or not, no matter how much good you do in the world or how many news, you know, stations have shared us or how viral we've gone or whatever, you know, it's just hard. Um, we, we have no sponsorships. We have no, um, like financial backing by any like corporations or nothing like that. Um, the biggest way we've gotten survived and have done all this. And this is even more Testament. This is why I feel like this is so much proof that there's God there's, there has to be because we've been funded and fueled literally by crowdfunding by people. Exactly. And so we, I mean, we are searching for, uh, for sponsorships. We're searching for um, like reoccurring, like donations and like, and we're looking for that. We want like a company, like just for example, like Under Armour to, to help us. You know what I'm saying? Because that will, that will solidify us doing this for 10 years. You know what I'm saying? But, and because it's not there, it's to me in my mind, it, it makes the work harder for us, but cause we don't know where our money's coming from. So we can't plan. And so that's what makes it hard. But man, it is such a testament to what we're doing to have for, for four years to have like, so the first year Heart of a Hero existed, we did like $8,000 or something small like that. Sure. And we we're just seeing kids locally and stuff. So, you know, it was cool for what it was at the time, but then like, you know, things started getting bigger and stories started getting shared a lot more and it went worldwide and, so then people wanted us in more places. And I think the first big trip I ever did was to Florida. And um, so that's across the country for us. And like, so after I did that Florida trip, it was like, just opened up the door, like, you know, and so our second year, so we went from 8,000 the first year, our second year, we did like 25,000 third year. We did like, I want to say 42 or something like that as an organization and then this last year, our last tax year, we we neared 80 grand. That's awesome. <laughs> and that's from people just donating. That's like GoFundMe, our donor box on our website. And another thing that's clutch is that the first year we had to buy a lot of our own toys. And second year we had to buy a lot of our own toys. And everybody knows if you're a parent or if you ever bought a toy, they're expensive, you know? And um, so people have donated so many toys that my entire garage is our inventory. Like we have a two car garage filled with toys That's filled. Wow. Um, we organized it all with shelving and all that stuff. Like it got serious. And so we've been able to spend more money on travel because we have, we don't have to buy as many toys because those donations have come in. So, you know, that's how we've, that's how we've um, sustained ourselves. And every now and then, you know, we just bought a van for our organization. That's because a donor came out of nowhere and, you know, someone who was pretty well off and donated 20 grand, you know, for, for us to get a van. And sometimes those big donations come in, but 
you know, um, we really survived basically on like someone donating 20 here, 10 here, a hundred here. And we're literally able to see so many kids because I keep my cost of living low to survive. And we keep the cost of, of visiting kids we try to keep it as low as possible. You know, we, we, we make our dollar stretch. We make your dollar stretch, I should say. And um, we do the most we can for kids with what we got. And I think coming from those humble beginnings of having nothing and being forced to like stretch a dollar and try to make it look like 10, like coming from those humble beginnings, it helps us because we have that, we have that hunger. We have that drive. We have that passion for the kids. So, and What's cool about our company too is like, let's say you donated a real unique toy, right? Like, I don't know, like a Groot stuffed animal Groot or something, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you can go on Heart of a Hero and probably, you know, nine times out of 10, see us handing that to a child in a picture. Wow, that's awesome. So you can see your donations at work. It's not like you just donate a toy and it just disappears. You don't know where it goes, exactly. you know? Exactly. So it's been a lot of crowdfunding uh, majority. I would say, <laughs> well, a hundred percent has been crowdfunding. We do like fundraisers and stuff like that. So that's a big thing too. Like we have two fundraisers coming up in December. Um, and right now we're like raffling off tickets for um, a Raider game. I don't know if you saw that, but. Oh yeah, I did. So we're doing, even though the Raiders freaking suck right now. And I hate saying that cause they're my team, but yeah. uh, we've got over are a thousand dollars uh in raffle tickets so far so that's <laughs> you know uh, all that money is going to go towards helping kids so it's really just a beautiful thing to know that like yes we do so much good and people can call me an angel or a hero all they want but really i mean i wouldn't like be i wouldn't be able to do any of this if it didn't come from people like yourself who were putting me on this podcast show and getting the word out and helping us do this like seriously it wouldn't, it wouldn't happen all right well that's the least we can do but well, here's what i'm doing i'm gonna speak to anyone listening qbc nation to all of ricky's fans this is what we decided to do and we want this to go by we want to do as much as we can for ricky and the kids and what we decided to do and this is based off inspiration of, of ricky and um heart of a hero because we wanted to do more. We created a, spe a special edition QBC shirt. If you, it's going to be up on the site uh, for sale tonight. We'll have information on um, on this uh, podcast. And we're going to sell the shirts, you know, um, and the proceeds will go to Ricky. Our goal is to kill it and write him a check, right? Whenever he tells me, right before Christmas, right after, whatever he decides. Um, and we got him in, uh, the, on their way here now. We're going to probably actually tonight, which is what's today. Today's the seventh. They'll be up on the site for sale. So everyone, share this podcast to, to spread the word about Ricky and um, Heart of a Hero, and to help sell these shirts. And we're honored to be doing this with you, Ricky, um, big time. And let's let's share it. Let's get it out there, man. Let's um, you know, if you can't, if, if there's anyone in the world I want to donate to, it's you guys, you know. So I'm on my end, and um, all of our supporters. We're going to push it. People are dying right now to get it. They can't wait. Um, so we're going to release it with this podcast tonight, um, later on tonight, probably around 8, 9 o'clock Eastern time. And let's push it hard. Let's do it for, you know, about a month, month and a half and see what we can do. Um, and, you know. Yeah, I'm the shirts too, man. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be purchasing one of my dang self. So. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to do that, man. Uh I think I could. Uh, I think I have a connection in there. I could probably get you one. <laughs> so yeah, but even with the shirt, man, it's the Maverick, um, and it's got a Santa head on it. On the bottom, it used to say "Quit bitching," but for this one, I wanted to be the motto is you know start giving, and I also wanted to keep it you know PGS. So I don't want anyone saying I can't wear it to church, I can't wear it to school. My my ten year old loves it, but he can't wear it. There's no excuses for this one, guys. I did this, and I to be honest with you, Ricky. I had you in mind. I targeted to you, and I I was pretty sure that we had to take to change it up a little bit, you know, to uh, you know to appeal to all your people too. You know what I mean? So there was that was that was by design, and um, extremely excited. Um, this is personally my favorite time of the year is is the giving season. So uh, you know, let's kill it. And if you guys have any questions, and I make sure you follow at Ricky Mena R I C K Y M E N A, and uh, at Heart of a Hero. 
and um, I'll have this all information. I'll have his site and everything. And if anyone wants to give more donation, I've had a lot of people asking, can I, can I send a hundred bucks for one shirt? I will have information how to do that. And all that on top of the money from the shirt will go to Ricky all at one time. So if someone wants to donate 250 bucks and only wants one or two shirts, we'll make that happen too. We're trying to blow this out the water um, for this unreal uh, organization. So thanks, man. No, no, thank you, man. This is, this is, there's, and, and I'm going to say, is we're going to do this. We're going to do the best we can. And, you know, you got a supporter for life. And one day, I don't know what the sponsorship takes and entails, but we could talk about that offline. Um, that's something I would be interested in. Under Armour, those guys are crazy. As much as, much as you, you – actually, this guy's a beast in the gym. Oh, um, <laughs> he's a beast. He's rocking on normal like crazy. So, Kevin Plank, I don't know what you're waiting for, but we'll step in there sooner than later if you don't want to step up. But, um, no, he's a beast in the gym. So, uh, you know – Check got him out. Me, got me still. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You can't be. You paid a lot for that suit. You can't go back for altercations too many times. You know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, man. Well, listen. I'm gonna hit you real soon. Probably in about three minutes. Um, I'm gonna log off this um podcast now. And uh, all right, man. Appreciate your time. But let's do it. All right. All right, I'm I'm super excited and thanks again, man, for reals. And thank you everybody out there who's purchasing shirts or following or just supporting us to help kids. Like honestly, thank you. Yep, we're gonna kill it. I'll talk to you soon. All right, bye. Thank you all for listening, and I hope you enjoyed our talks with Ricky Mina of Heart of a Hero.org. Um, if you enjoyed it, we would really, really appreciate if you could share it. Um, subscribe to the podcast if you have not already and leave feedback, um, aka a review. That'll help us and help us spread the word um, for Ricky and his organization. Um, spread the word, share this podcast, go to our social media at Quit Pitching Coalition um, and just share everything. You know, let's get the word out about this shirt. Let's raise a lot of money for this very worthy and heroic cause. Um, we promise not to take six months off like we did from the last show. Um, But this one's very important to us, and uh, let's see what we can do, uh, QBC Nation. Bye.